Chapter thirty three of Stories of Symphonic Music. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stories of Symphonic Music by Lawrence Gilman. Section thirty three Strauss, Part two Don Quixote Fantastic Variations on a Theme of Knightly Character. Opus 35. The full title of this work, composed in 1897, is Don Quixote, Introduzione, Tema con Variazioni e Finale. Fantastische Variationen über eine Thema Ritterlichen Charakters. That is to say, it is in the form of a theme with variations. The theme is of knightly character and the variations are fantastic. From the programmatic point of view, it is a series of tone pictures, in which are set forth, upon a musical canvas of singular vividness, the figures of Cervantes' Knight of the Rueful Countenance and his squire, Sancho Panza, and their memorable adventures in quest of knightly glory. The orchestral score contains no program or explanatory notes, save two superscriptions printed above the dual portions of the theme, identifying the first part with Don Quixote, the second part with Sancho Panza. Yet Strauss, with his inveterate lack of consistency in such matters, has annotated the pianoforte arrangement of his music with a completeness which he has capriciously denied to the orchestral score, placing at the head of each variation a verbal clue to the particular adventure which the music aims to describe. From these it is possible to follow its meaning in fairly ample detail. The music consists of an introduction, a theme, ten variations, and a finale, continuous throughout, each variation is concerned with some incident in Cervantes' novel. A solo cello represents or enacts Don Quixote. A solo viola, Sancho Panza. Introduction Don Quixote is deep in the perusal of old romances of errant chivalry. Grandiose and splendid pictures pass through his mind and inflame his imagination. He beholds Dulcinea. Dulcinea, the ideal woman. Oboe melody. He sees her beset by giants and rescued by a knight. His fantasy was filled with those things that he read, of enchantments, quarrels, battles, challenges, wounds, wooings, loves, tempests, and other impossible follies. And in the end, through his little sleep and much reading, he dried up his brains in such sort as he lost wholly his judgment. The strain becomes unbearable. The orchestra utters confused and insane and wildly chaotic thoughts, until finally, in some terrible chords that give one the sensation of an overstretched spring snapping violently, we realize that the knight 
is at last quite mad. He has determined on a life of chivalry. Theme. The two-part theme is announced, Don Quixote being limbed by a phrase pathetically grandiose for solo cello moderato. Sancho Panza by a burly and grotesquely comic theme first heard on the tenor tuba and bass clarinet, but afterwards confined to a solo viola. Variation 1. Don Quixote and Sancho Panza set forth. The knight and his squire set forth on their quest of chivalric adventure. The don inspired by the thought of the lovely Dulcinea del Toboso, the theme of the ideal woman. The sight of windmills revolving in the breeze inspires his valor. He charges them and is overthrown by the sails. Variation 2. The victorious battle with the host of the great emperor Aliphonfarin. Out of a cloud of dust, strings, Don Quixote perceives the approach of an army. Sancho sees that it is a flock of sheep. The muted brass instruments in the orchestra imitate their bleating, and seeks to restrain the enthusiasm of his master. Don Quixote charges valiantly and puts the enemy to rout. Variation 3. Colloquies of Knight and Squire Don Quixote and Sancho Panza argue concerning the reasonableness of a life of chivalry. The Don waxes eloquent over the glory of a knightly career in an orchestral passage, developed out of his own theme and that of Dulcinea, of striking fervor and nobility. Sancho advocates the homely and attainable things of reality. We hear a fragment of his motif but the Don silences him angrily. Variation 4. The Encounter with the Pilgrims The knight and his squire fall in with a band of pilgrims, a theme of ecclesiastical character for the wind instruments. Don Quixote imagines them to be villains and malefactors. He attacks them and is worsted, falling senseless. He revives slowly, and Sancho, relieved, lies down beside him and sleeps. Variation 5. The Knight's Vigil Beside His Arms Don Quixote, following the knightly custom, refrains from sleep and watches beside his arms through the night. Ecstatically, he perceives Dulcinea as in a vision. The theme of the ideal woman is heard. Variation 6. The Meeting with Dulcinea Sancho Panza assures the Don that a certain vulgar peasant girl whom they meet is his adored Dulcinea. We hear the ideal woman theme transformed into a common and trivial tune, woodwind and tambourine. Don Quixote is incredulous. He angrily ascribes the effect to some magical agency. Variation 7. The Ride Through the Air Sitting stationary with bandaged eyes on a wooden horse, the knight and his squire believe that they are being borne through the air. We hear in the orchestra the whistling of the wind. Here enters the famous wind machine. The themes of the Don and of Sancho are giddily borne aloft on the instrumental breeze. 
a long-held note on the bassoon indicates their sudden stop their realization as they look about them that they have not left the earth variation eight the journey in the enchanted boat the knight perceiving an empty boat and being convinced that it is miraculously intended for his use embarks in it with his squire for the accomplishment of some predestined deed of chivalry the orchestra plays a graceful barcarolle the boat upsets but the two reach shore in safety they offer up thanks for their escape a religious passage for the wind instruments variation nine the conflict with the two sorcerers don quixote meets two wayfarers whom he takes to be the magicians whose sorcery has worked him ill they are merely a pair of inoffensive monks but the knight attacks them with victorious results variation ten the combat with the knight of the silver moon and the overthrow of don quixote the bachelor samson carrasco the knight of the silver moon one of don quixote's townsmen does battle with him for the sake of his own good and to cure him of his delusions so to have him in his own house i thought upon this device the music portrays the contest between them which is thus described by cervantes they both of them set spurs to their horses and the knight of the white moons being the swifter met don quixote ere he had run a quarter of his career so forcibly without touching him with his lance for it seemed he carried it aloft on purpose that he tumbled horse and man both to the ground and don quixote had a terrible fall so he got straight up on top of him and clapping his lance's point upon his visor said you are vanquished knight and a dead man if you confess not according to the conditions of our combat don quixote all bruised and amazed without heaving up his visor as if he had spoken out of a tomb with a faint and weak voice said dulcinea del toboso is the fairest woman in the world and i the unfortunatest knight on earth and it is not fit that my weakness defraud this truth thrust your lance into me knight and kill me since you have bereaved me of my honour not so truly quoth he of the white moon let the fame of my lady dulcinea's beauty live in her entireness i am only contented that the grand don quixote retire home for a year or till such time as i please as we agreed before we began the battle and don quixote answered that so nothing were required of him in prejudice of his lady dulcinea he would accomplish all the rest like a true and punctual knight don quixote defeated broken-hearted his illusions vanishing one by one rides homeward with his squire in profound dejection and here the orchestra evolves out of a pathetic variant of his theme in eloquent and vivid commentary finale the death of don quixote the knight once more a sane and wise man his brain cleared of its mists his reason restored 
lies dying peacefully on his bed they stood all gazing one upon the other wondering at don quixote's sound reasons although they made some doubt to believe them one of the signs which induced them to conjecture that he was near unto death's door was that with such facility he was from a stark fool become a wise man for to the words already alleged he had added many more so significant so christian-like and so well couched that without doubt they confidently believed that don quixote was become a right wise man amidst the wailful plaints and blubbering tears of the bystanders he yielded up the ghost that is to say he died the music which portrays his end is simple and very peaceful the chords which at the beginning indicated his aberration are now orderly tranquil and composed a hero's life ein heldenleben tone poem opus forty ein heldenleben was completed in december of eighteen ninety eight the score bears absolutely no indication of its purport or significance save the title we are left to guess whether the hero whose life is celebrated therein is an ideal hero or a figure of history of myth of romance or of private life strauss is said to have observed in response to a question there is no need of a program it is enough to know there is a hero fighting his enemies yet the analysts have been busy with this score as with others by strauss and he has at least by implication sanctioned their interpretations a hero's life is in six connected sections arranged and identified as follows the hero the hero's adversaries the hero's consort the hero's battlefield the hero's works of peace the hero's retirement from the world and the end of his striving. 1. The Hero We hear the first theme of the hero, a chivalric and wide-arched phrase of extraordinary breadth and energy, announced forte by horns, viola, and cellos. Subsidiary themes follow, picturing various aspects of his nature, his pride, emotional nature, iron will, richness of imagination, and so forth. The main theme, weightily proclaimed by tenor and bass tubas, four horns, double basses, cellos and woodwind, brings the first section to a thunderous close. 2. The Hero's Adversaries Herein are pictured the hero's opponents and detractors, an envious and malicious crew, rich in all its uncharitableness. The woodwind instruments, flutes, oboes, English horn, clarinets, utter shrill and snarling phrases. Besides them, the spiteful cackling of the woodwind in the Meistersinger overture is as the amorous murmuring of doves. There is also an uncouth and sluggish phrase for tenor and bass tubas, intended to picture the malevolence of the dull-witted among the foe. The theme of the hero, in a sad and meditative guise, pictures his dignified amazement, his pained and sorrowful surprise that his adversaries should so reveal the smallness and meanness and acrimony of their natures. 
a poignant phrase of parsifal-like color and profile muted strings speaks of his temporary disquietment perhaps his doubt of his own sublimity but this is barely hinted at his dauntless courage reasserts itself and the mocking and contemptible horde are put at least for the time to root three the hero's consort a solo violin in a long and elaborate passage introduces the hero's beloved she is pictured at first as capricious a coquette but the music grows more tender more gentle the full orchestra enters the oboe sings an expressive melody there are rapturous and passionate phrases for the strings amid sweeping arpeggios in the harps and the love scene reaches its climax the mocking voices of the foe are heard remotely like the distant croaking of the night-birds through an ecstatic dream they are powerless to disturb the peace and felicity of the lovers for the hero's battlefield but now the call to battle sounds and it may not be ignored distant fanfares of trumpets summon the hero to the conflict the orchestra becomes a battlefield the music is chaos tumultuous cataclysmic it evokes the picture of countless and waging hosts of forests of waving spears and clashing blades the din heat and turmoil of conflict are spread all over and the ground piled high with the slain through the dust and din we are reminded of the inspiration of the beloved which urges on and enheartens the champion whose motive contests for supremacy with that of his adversaries a triumphant orchestral outburst on the hero's theme proclaims at last his victory yet he rejoices alone the world regards his conquest with cold and cynical indifference five the hero's works of peace now begins a celebration of the hero's victories of peace his spiritual evolution and achievements this section is introduced by a reminder of the uncouth phrase for tenor and bass tuba heard in the second division the heroic and tender themes of the preceding pages are recalled and with them are woven a significant indication of the true subject of the tone poem quotations of themes from strauss's earlier works we hear in surprising and subtle combinations reminiscences of don juan thus spake zarathustra death and transfiguration don quixote till eulenspiegel's merry pranks the music drama guntram and macbeth and the famous and lovely song trim durch die dammerung industrious commentators have discovered twenty-three of these quotations six the hero's retirement from the world and the end of his striving again we hear in the tubas the uncouth and cacophonous phrase which voices the dull contempt of the benighted adversaries even the glorious achievements of the hero's brain his spiritual conquests have won only envy and derision protagonist rebels mightily there are passionate and tempestuous phrases reminiscences of his theme in the strings horns and woodwind but his mood quiets 
over a persistent tapping of the kettle-drum the english horn intones a gentler version of his theme an agitating memory of the striving and conflict of the past disturbs but only for a moment the serenity of his mood we are reminded of the consoling presence of the beloved one peace descends upon the spirit of the hero the close is majestic and benign domestic symphony opus fifty three in the course of an interview published in london in nineteen o two strauss made this announcement my next tone poem will illustrate a day in my family life it will be partly lyrical partly humorous a triple fugue the three subjects representing papa mama and the baby the symphonia domestica composed in nineteen o three was published in nineteen o four the first performance anywhere was at carnegie hall new york march twenty first nineteen o four the symphony which bears this dedication meiner lieben frau und unserem jungen gewidmet dedicated to my dear wife and our boy is in one movement and three subdivisions one introduction and scherzo two adagio three double fugue and finale the composer declined at the time of the first performance of the symphony to furnish any program for the music when the work was produced in berlin december twelfth nineteen o four under the direction of the composer the program books contained this presumably authorized annotation of the music one introduction and development of the three chief groups of themes the husband's themes easy-going dreamy fiery the wife's themes lively and gay grazioso the child's theme tranquil two scherzo parents happiness child's play cradle song the clock strikes seven in the evening three adagio doing and thinking love scene dreams and cares the clock strikes seven in the morning four finale awakening and merry dispute double fugue joyous conclusion a year later in connection with the first performance in england an official description was published and it was intimated that this description was allowed by the composer to be made public it is therefore reproduced here since there is every reason to believe that it constitutes an authentic interpretation of the music introduction the symphony is concerned with three main themes that of the husband that of the wife and that of the child the husband theme is divided into three sections the first of which is marked gemächlich easy-going or deliberate given out by the cellos the second sinend meditative oboe and the third feurig fiery violins the first section of the symphony the introduction is devoted to an exposition and treatment of the chief themes or groups of themes its most striking feature being the introduction of the child theme on the oboe d'amour an instrument which has practically fallen out of use the composer himself has spoken of this theme as being of almost Haydnesque simplicity. On this follows a very characteristic passage, which has been interpreted as representing the child in its bath. Scherzo. The scherzo bears the headings Elternglück, 
Kimliche Spiele, Parents' Happiness, The Child at Play. Its chief theme is the child theme in a new rhythm. At its end, the music suggestive of the bath recurs and the clock strikes seven. We then come to the lullaby, where we have another version of the child theme. Adagio. The subheadings of the adagio are Schaffen und Schauen, Liebes Sina, Träume und Sorgen, Doing and Thinking, The Love Scene, Dreams and Cares. This elaborate section introduces no new themes of any importance, and is really a symphonic, slow movement of great polyphonic elaboration and superlatively rich orchestral color. The gradual awakening of the family is next depicted by a change in the character of the music, which becomes more and more restless, the use of rhythmical variants of previous themes being very ingenious. And then there is another reference to the bath music, and the glockenspiel indicates that it is 7 a.m. Finale. In this way we reach the final fugue. The principal subject of this is also a new version of the child theme. Its subtitle is Lustige Streit, Friedrich Bischloss, Merry Argument and Happy Conclusion, the subject of the dispute between father and mother being the future of the son. The fugue, the chief subject of which is another variant of the child theme, is carried on with unflagging spirit and humor and great variety of orchestration. As the fugue proceeds, the child theme gradually grows more and more prominent, and finally seems to dominate the whole score. The child seems to have hurt himself in boisterous play, says another commentator. The mother cares for him, and the father also has a soothing word. Some new themes, all more or less akin to it, and all in the nature of folk tunes, are introduced the father and mother, however, soon assume their former importance, and the whole ends with great spirit and in the highest good humor, with an emphatic reassertion of the husband theme with which it began, suggesting that the father had the last word in the argument. End of section 33